Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette. 104, one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium, 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 on this miserable Monday morning. Just, it's just, it, it, you know, the, the stretch, we built up this nine game stretch that the Astros had against the two New York teams and they played tremendous, should have been nine and oh, um, played great. And since then, it's been a complete clown show and, and, and the clown show you know, they, they didn't play well against Oakland and Oakland. They managed to win two out of three, even though it was just gave a game away. Then they went to Anaheim and, and did not play well. Clown show week. But the Angels are a little more of a clown show, so they, they were able to win two out of three. And, look, I would have all just filed it away as they're limping to the All-Star break. They're shorthanded. Had they been able to... Hold on to a three to nothing lead yesterday over the lowly A's. And again, it, it's not that they've lost and that they've played poorly. It's how they've lost and how they played poorly. It's one thing because you know me, I'm a, you know, I'll I pay attention to the odds. And, uh, you know, when you, when you, when you're struggling, Especially with injuries, you're going to go through stretches sometimes where you don't hit. That's baseball. That That is fine. I don't like it, but it, it's very understandable. Uh, when you go through a stretch of two or three or four weeks where you pitch like the Astros did, you're going to get hit some. This, 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 you, this ain't football. You're going to get hit some. More things are going to fall. You you know the ground balls are gonna find more holes. I mean that's gonna happen. I I don't like it, but I, I that's easy to accept. What's not easy to accept is turning into the bad news bears. That does not have to happen. Field your stupid position. If they hit you the ball, catch it. If they pitch you the ball, catch it. The Astros catching situation right now, they, they shouldn't stop calling them catchers. Just call them sieve. The ball just gets by them on every pitch, it seems like. I'm like, they, they never block a ball anymore. They can't even catch balls. Like, all of a sudden, Candy's on this little power trip, which is great, but he can't catch the ball. They put Corey Lee in, catch the ball, cat. That's why they call you the catcher. Catch the ball. The center fielder can't catch the ball. Nobody can nobody can throw to first base anymore. They they've just become a complete defensive clown show. You know, all these clichés is you know, defense travels and all that stuff. 
Well, late again, defense doesn't have to slump. I mean, you're going to make human errors. But this is just it's just been 2 weeks of clown show defense by this team. All they had to do is if they throw it to you, catch it. It's just the major leagues. We're not asking a lot here. If they throw you the ball, catch it. If they hit you the ball, catch it. If you catch the ball and you get a grip of it, throw it to the base. That's all I'm asking. If you're a catcher and they throw you the ball, they pitch you the ball, catch it. That's all I'm asking. Catch it. This is not complex stuff here. All they have to do, I understand that they're not hitting you know, and Pedro's out, and, and, and for a while, Altuve was out. And, you know, hitting is a cyclical thing that's going to come and go when you have injuries. That, I, it's not fun, but I get it. I get it. I get the pitchers giving up more runs than they were. You can't keep giving up, putting up zeros. You can't go game in and game out and game in and game out giving up one or two hits. That's not real. That's not realistic. But you should be able to catch the ball if they hit it to you. That should never end. That's not, that should never be cyclical. Ever. They hit you the ball, catch it. Now, you may not be able to make great plays all the time. But if they hit you the ball, catch it. If you catch it, throw it to where you're supposed to throw it. That should never slump, ever. This is the major leagues. Awful. Just gave games away. As bad as they fielded, I mean, as bad as they've hit in the last week and a half, they should have been 7-2. and two. All they had to do was catch, and they were very fortunate to win one or two of the games they, they won because they can't field. And their catchers can't catch. Until they start doing their job, we're gonna, I, I'm not going to call them catchers no more. Siv. What position does Candy Maldonado play? Siv. What position does Corey Lee play? Siv. That's the position they play. Siv. Block a stupid ball. Unbelievable. It's been... It's been a clown show for the last week and a half. And then now I got to stew on this for the whole All-Star break. And then the Astros open up with a brutal schedule. They have a doubleheader Tuesday against a team with the most wins in the league. Then they play seven of their next ten against the hottest team in the league, the Little Mariners, who never lose anymore. I bet you when they hit it to them, they can catch it. Even the A's, well, some of the time. The A's didn't even play that well. They can't catch the ball either. These people in the major leagues, they can't catch the ball. Catch the ball. If they hit it to you, catch it. Why is that that difficult? Catch the ball. Throw the ball to the proper base in an accurate manner. Not asking you to be Mickey Mantle every at-bat. Or Ted Williams. Just if they hit it to you, Ted Williams couldn't hit, catch it either. Just they hit it to you, catch it. 
I don't understand the whole idea of missing the ball. This, this, this last nine games, complete clown show stuff. They hit it to you, catch it. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. How you doing this morning? Oh, not good. Awful. Now I got the whole all-star break coming off this clown show junk. Well, at least uh, your clown show wasn't as big as uh, my Boston Red Sox clown show this weekend getting blown out. 14-1 14-1 yeah, but that's, and then Did, did you catch the ball? Blown. When they hit it to you, did you I, catch it? I mean, uh, not much better. I mean, shoot, play like a bunch of minor leaguers. And uh, y'all can have that, that sorry excuse as a pitcher that we got Chris Sale. That ship's done sale, no pun intended. But I don't know why they're keeping that, that, that garbage on our pitching staff. And then he gets hurt again. So, I mean... No telling how long he's going to be out. I mean, yeah, but he did. Well, I agree with that. But I mean, he pitched well against Tampa. He got hurt in the first inning. We have no idea how he was going to pitch. Again, again, I didn't see all the game. So if they, if they didn't feel well, that's a different that's a different situation. But the Red Sox have four of their five starters injured right now, and they're limping to the. That totally makes sense. And then and right. then you get and then you get. A, a starting pitcher who gets taken out in the first inning, and you already don't have any starting pitching because they're all hurt. Right. So at least what happened to the Red Sox is understanding. The Astros are supposed to be able to feel they've been one of the best defensive teams in all of baseball the last three, four years, and now all of a sudden they can't field. Right. Unbelievable. Uh, but but Paul thinks I'm wearing the Yankees gear, but that ain't never happened. Like I told him this morning, I'd rather wear a dress than Yankees. Some of our pitchers help because, man, we 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 need some pitching help, man. I mean, the Yankees just waxed us this weekend. Well, yeah, but, but again, that that, that, that means that. nothing. But that means nothing. All that matters is are, are you getting any of these pitchers back? When are you getting them back? And if not, how can you replace them if you can replace them? I mean, again, it matters and how what – what is your pitching going to look like if you can make the playoffs come late September? It does not matter that you got waxed in two games limping to the All-Star break. That means nothing. Right. Now, uh, y'all, first game back from the All-Star break, y'all played the Mariners, right? Nope. Played a play double. The played the Yankees in a doubleheader on Thursday. Well, I have a feeling that the Mariners' win streak is going to be over by the time y'all played them. I mean – well, it's no, I mean, they, I don't even but, think they play Thursday. Their first games are against the Astros. Astros got, got what, you. six or seven more games with them. Is it seven? I got you. Seven more games with them starting on Friday. The Astros have to play a doubleheader Thursday. Then they got to go to Asia to play on Friday. Oh, good Lord. Well, that's yeah. a good schedule. Yeah, the league's not. Then we got to play the Mighty A's. I mean, how can, you, how can you get out? How can you possibly beat the Mighty A's? Like, they got the worst record yeah. in the league. The Astros can't beat them. Unbelievable. Right. That, but they always – Astros always play good against the good teams, and then when it comes against the garbage, oh, once they struggle. I, I never – Catch the ball. I never understood that. But. I mean, if they hit it to you, catch it. Catch it. That's minor league oh. stuff you learn in, a, in, in, in T-ball, man. They, they hit Throw it, the they ball to first it, base. I mean. You know, one of the things that, that, that I've heard several times recently – 
pitchers don't throw to bases. Well, throw to bases. Like, what I do mean, you do all day long when you're not pitching? Well, baseball ain't no basic oh, fundamentals anymore. They're trying to take all the fundamentals. All they care about is hitting home runs, and and, and that's it. You know, Defense should not that? fluctuate I mean, that much. That's ridiculous. A whole week yeah, and a half of playing clown show defensive baseball. Yeah, exactly. Awful. Well, keep your head up. and uh, Hopefully things will get better for both our teams. And uh, thanks for taking my call, buddy. All right, take Have care. Have a good one. I mean, I know they need to break, but now I got to sit here. I mean, Astros need about two weeks the way they've been playing. Just awful. Awful. And, and they need break from all the injured players. I get all that. But now, me as a fan, I got to sit here and, and mull over nine straight games of awful baseball. For th- You know, if you could at least win the last game. Like last year, the Astros were playing awful before the break. And then they had this miracle comeback win over the Yankees. And at least you had some good feeling going into the break. Now they're fixing to walk the gauntlet as the bad news bears. Awful. Now, in the middle of all that awful, awful play is you remember when Presley, Ryan Presley got lit in that first game against the Yankees of that four-game series at Yankee Stadium. He gave up his milk money. Astros had a three-run lead, and he blew it. He has not given up a base runner, not a run, not a hit. He hasn't given up a base runner since that inning. He is reti- He's pitched nine innings. He has retired all 27 batters in a row since he gave up his milk money in game one of that four-game series to the Yankees. That's pretty impressive. So, I, I think overall the pitching has been fine. I, you know, some of the walking batters drives me bonkers, walking awful hitters like Jonathan VR. That, that's, that's bad news, Bears, clown show stuff too. But for the most part, like, man, Presley, he, he, he tied an all-time Astro record. That goes back to the 60s, Dave Justy. The guy must have pitched a while because it sure seems like I, re- I recognize that name. But anyway, 27 batters in a row he's retired. It wouldn't totally shock me if he didn't give up a hit over 27, but he always walks people. He hadn't even walked anyone since he gave up. So that's the way you respond. Hopefully the catchers, the sieves, Astro, everyone else has a battery. The, what is the battery in baseball? Pitcher and catcher. Right now for the Astros, there's, there's no, the battery is pitcher and sieve. That's the battery for the Astros right now for the last two weeks. Pitcher and sieve. Nothing but wild pitches and pass balls galore. Like enough of that junk. They need to go watch some instructional videos on how to field in during the All-Star break. And pitchers, I mean, I, I just can't throw to a base. I, I kind of get not throwing this, but you can't throw to first base? 
from the mound? How difficult is that? Awful. All right, let's take a timeout. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. I have our Astro conversation yesterday. I doubt Michael is as upset as I am. It's time to start seriously looking at the All-Star break. The problem is I don't know what the Astros are willing to give up. I really don't. But they need a center field. They've been needing a center fielder for two years. And they've done an incredible job of winning without it. But, man, this guy, Mars, he's just too soft. He's just not mentally tough enough. Always has that goofy look on his face. What Astros have some goofy players? Ichabod Crane. We have to give Jake Mars. He just looks clueless. Might call him the nowhere man. I mean, he just looks clueless. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back and... Try to calm down. That's what the Astros have. Pitcher and sieve. That's their battery. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706 0111. 706-0111. Want to remind you that in about an hour, a little less than an hour, we will be shifting our focus to SEC football. SEC media days begin today in Atlanta. And as you heard earlier on RP3, he is there. So we will have at about 10:15 conversation. I wonder um, if Raymond can give the Astros some helpful hints on how to catch a baseball. How to throw to first base from the mound. Unbelievable. But anyway, we'll shift gears to SEC baseball uh, as we continue our begin our coverage today. From SEC Media Days, College Football Hall of Fame brought to you by Borderline Furniture. So got lots of questions and things to discuss with Raymond about the SEC. I'm sure he'll let us know anything else that's going on over there that we need to know. So we'll be continuing our SEC coverage. Or begin Well, it began this morning, but we will continue it on this show. And then this afternoon on Jordy's show, um, Matt will be bringing you Live reports from Atlanta as well. And doing his own show, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, from the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. So time to start thinking about football. It's a good week, I guess, for me to try to get distracted. Start thinking about football. We started NFL football last week. Unbelievable. 
just cannot believe. Got to go through this all week long. I'm I, I, I'm so disgruntled. Not really. Just so frustrated with the awful defensive play of the last week and a half. That I don't even know. I don't even know if I'm in the mood to watch the home run derby tonight. I, plus, I hate Pete Alonzo's stupid face. That guy just aggravates me. Or there's certain people, and I know I shouldn't be this way. By the way, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Or there's certain people that just rub you the wrong way. It's just like athletes I'm talking. I mean, I'm not talking about people you work with. or anything. I'm just talking about like athletes or, or announcers. I don't really care about announcers very much at all. Really, I don't. I, I, I don't. I'm on the side of I don't get why they're paying millions and millions and millions of dollars to these announcers because I guess I've turned off or muted a game based on who the announcer was or what the announcer was saying before, but I've never watched a game because of who the announcer is. Never, really. That. That's never entered my mind. I'm going to watch this game because of who the announcer is. You know, like years ago, John Madden or uh, I'm just, I'm just, I, I, I watch the game because of the Saints. I mean, it's nothing to do with Astros, whatever, baseball. It has nothing to do with the announcer. Now, I might like the announcer. That like, like when Randy Cross was doing announcing, I would mute it because I didn't want to hear his stupid face speak. But I, I never watch it because of an announcer. But this guy, Peter Schrager from NFL Network, I don't know what it is. I just, he knows the game. I'm not saying he doesn't know football. You're never going to agree with anybody, all of someone's opinions. But there's something about that guy. When I look, I just, I just can only take so much of him. I just have to turn it. I just, I just can't take it. And this guy, Pete Alonzo, I guess I can't say he's done nothing to make me dislike him or root against him other than he's really cocky. Like, this cat is really cocky. So I guess that's what it is. It's like, cat, let's, let's do a little more in your career before you get that cocky. But, um, like, Aaron Rodgers is the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen, but at least he's like considered one of the best pure passes of the football in NFL history. Like he's done a little more than Pete Alonzo, who's like cocky beyond belief, and the cat can't even hit left-handed, I mean right-handed pitching. Like, come on, cat. I don't know. He becomes a singles hitter. So I'm rooting against him. But I don't even know if I, I, I'm so disgusted. I didn't even watch the draft last night. Astros first time been in the draft for three years. Really. And early on anyway. And and I didn't even watch it. I was so disgusted with the with the sieve. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, sir. Oh, it's going to be a long all-star break. Awful. Listen, you can relax because Thursday your team's going to play perfect baseball. 
You know that. Well, With I hope games, so. Your team's going to play. There will be no errors. If, if the Astros make an error Thursday, I'm taking you to lunch. Well, I'm going to need it. Okay. I, I, I'm so sick of this. I mean, catch the ball. Field the ball. We Our catchers cannot catch. See and then, it. not only don't you play the Yankees Thursday, and then you play a team on a 14-game win streak, so you, you're in good shape coming out of the All-Star break, according to the way you think. I mean... Well, one thing that I'll give this... A, well, no, I understand your point. One, one thing that gives me some hope is that... The Astros, if you look at it, they they kind of they they're pretty good at meeting challenges. In other words, when someone says, you know, you can't do this or oh, this is a really tough stretch, they tend to rally and answer the challenge. What happened was, I think they built up this nine games against the New York team so great much that they then they st- and they got kind of injured. And it was, when when that stretch was over, it was like they just limped to the All Star break. It was like. There was an emotional letdown after those nine games, and they've played terrible ever since. I mean, just bad news bears terrible. And, and then another, another thing to make you feel feel good for Thursday, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to the game Thursday, and the Yankees never win when I go to Houston to see the, the Yankees and the Astros. So you got a lot of things going for you. Well, I, I, I need it. Right now I just I want to split. If I can get a split, I'd like to go three and two in the first five games, but it don't get much better after that. And uh, I just want to say my little friend uh, from Erat, the Red Sox fan, and I probably know him. I just don't know that I know him. And uh, I I just want to say thanks to him for not accusing us of cheating this weekend. (laughs) That's funny. So... (coughs) That is funny. Oh, you but you know what it's like. I mean, how can you be a major league player and you can't catch the ball? Catch the ball. Well, I'm sure they didn't miss it on purpose, and I'm just telling you, Thursday they're going to catch everything. They're even going to catch balls that they're not supposed to catch Thursday. Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Well, have a good day, man. Take care. Oh, man. And it is true that the Astros typically rise to the challenge. They've done that more times than, way more times than not over the last five or six years. But I don't know how ready they're going to be to play. One thing I do like is that um, Altuve's not going to the All Star game, uh, Verlander's going, but he's not pitching. So the only of the five that were chosen, the only two that are likely to participate are Framber Valdez and that guy. I mean, who knows? He's <clears throat> he got a new hairdo for the All Star. I mean, it's just you got to be kidding me. He got this new hairdo and and Icky's going out and buying all these suits. I can't even imagine how ugly the suit is that Icky's about to come out with. When they do the red carpet shawls, what is that today or tomorrow? Whenever it's a new, it's a new All Star Game thing. I'm telling you, they said he bought a suit and then he and then he and then he decided he didn't like it. He's going to buy another one. So I'm thinking it got crazier. I think it got. I can't even imagine how 
ugly this suit is going to be to wear that Ichabod Crane, Kyle Tucker wears for the for his little red carpet. And, and who knows what Framber's going to look like. I mean, Cat got a new hairdo. He gets named to the All-Star game. He gets a new hairdo. <clears throat> All I know is I'm worried about his focus because his mind's still going to be on the All-Star game. And so I, you know, I don't know they can, they're not gonna be able to pitch him on Thursday. So I'm thinking, it, and Verlander's probably not gonna pitch Thursday in that doubleheader. So I'm thinking it's gonna be an older Rizzi pitch yesterday. He did fine, but he can't throw the ball to first base. Throw the ball to first base, cat. Catch the ball. Throw it to first base. How long have you been throwing the ball for the first base from the mound? Probably your whole life. Catch the ball, throw it to first base. Unbelievable. So I'm thinking it's going to be Garcia and um, Urquidy. I don't know. Sick of me. For three days, I'm going to have to think about this. Oh, just awful. Awful. But I hope Bob, I hope Bobby's right. I hope they play perfect. They're going to need it. And normally, like if the Astros were playing the Yankees today, I'd feel great about it because they, the Yankees have scored all these runs the last couple of days. But with a three-day break and playing all-star game, I mean, I don't know how that's going to transfer with a whole three-day break. Still should transfer some. And the Astros know how to get the Yankees out better than anybody. And the truth of the matter is the Red Sox are – the Red Sox pitching staff right now is basically a triple-A pitching staff. Kind of like the lineup the Astros put on the field. That's another one, J.J. Matichevic. I don't ever want to see him hit again. Astro, it's, I just, look, I understand you go through stretches where you're injured and you got to, it's like enough of this. Enough of this. Somebody needs to come back soon. All right, let's take a time out. Come back and try to calm down a little bit. Once again, we'll be talking SEC football with RP3 at about 10.15. I need that. Change the subject. Game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. We'll come back and... I didn't even watch the MLB draft last night, but we'll give you some details from it. Just too frustrated. Can't catch the ball and throw it to first base. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ooh. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Again, it's the All-Star break. Home run derby tonight. Game, Major League, uh, the All-Star game tomorrow. Another day off on Wednesday, which many people say or have said for years it's the most boring or the worst day of the year because there's really no sports. And for years they did the ESPYs then. I don't know if they still do all that foolishness. but um, And then the Astros kick off a stretch where they play 12 games in 11 days with a doubleheader against the Yankees on Thursday. want to remind you before we get back to it, the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles would like to hook you up with an Apple Watch for you to win this brand new Apple Watch. You simply need to join our new text club by texting game to 283-8100. Text game to 283-8100 will make you eligible to win potentially the new Apple Watch as well as all kind of other great prizes such as Astro tickets. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right. Last night, as I referred to, was the Major League Draft. The Major League Draft is not the NFL Draft. I don't even know if it's the NBA Draft as far as popularity. I'm sure there are plenty of huge college baseball fans that enjoy it. But um, it's just different because it could be two, three. I mean, if you're a really good player, it still might take you two years before you get to the major leagues. I mean, a special few have a rapid rise, but that's a pretty unique group. So most, even good players, it normally takes them at least two to three years to get to the major leagues. So you're talking about quite a bit down the road there before you – um, before you actually could reap the benefit. Can you imagine in the NFL, of course, you know, some players kind of get hurt, and it does take them two or three years, but at least you're eligible for the most part to play. Most of them at least play right away. Um, so it takes some patience. But still, um, if you're a big fan of either college baseball or of your team, it's still interesting to see. The Astros selected two had three picks yesterday last night and two of them are center fielders which which is going to lead right to like center field is is an issue no question like they got Pedro Leon down the road we'll see how he does not really hitting this year from what i understand and um obviously they got issues in center field right now no question and i I don't know if they can go pick up one. I, I don't know what they're willing to give up. We'll talk about that in the over the next few weeks, I'm sure, quite a bit. But they signed Drew Gilbert. Well, signed. They drafted Drew Gilbert in the first round with the 28th pick. Center fielder from Tennessee, hit like 360-something. Then they drafted Jacob Melton, another center fielder who hit three. 60-something from Oregon State, who was the Pac-12 player of the year, also had 83 ribs. I think Gilbert had 60-something ribs. So two really top-notch college players 
from elite college programs in a need area. So, I mean, it's hard to argue with those picks. I mean, that doesn't mean they're going to make – we don't even know if they're going to make the major leagues. But you draft two highly productive college players from major college, elite college programs this year for sure, and in a need area. Can't argue with that. Now, the other pitcher, I mean, the other player they drafted was a pitcher, 6'5", right-handed pitcher named Andrew Taylor from Central Michigan. Obviously, Central Michigan is not Oregon State or Tennessee in the world of college baseball. But I did read, and I didn't have any idea of this, but this is every year since 2007 now, Central Michigan has had at least one player drafted in the Major League Draft. Remember, a few years ago, we had like five rounds. So I don't ever think of Central Michigan as this baseball powerhouse. But that's pretty impressive. They've had a player drafted every year since 2007. Now, this guy, uh, I don't think most people projected to be picked on day one from what it looks like. But guess what he has? If you've been following the Astros, and if you've been following the way Major League Baseball is going right now, he has something that, The Astros especially, and other teams as well, really go after. Spin rate. He's got a high spin rate. So while he was a good college pitcher, he wasn't a great, great, great college pitcher. And most people did not project him to go on the first day of the draft. But with the um, 78th pick, no, the 80th pick overall, um, in one of these compensatory rounds, the Astros selected 6'5 right-handed pitcher Andrew Taylor with a high spin rate. So we'll see what he does. Other picks of note, Jacob Berry was picked by the Marlins, sixth overall. Eric Brown, shortstop from Coastal Carolina in the Sunbelt Conference, was picked number 27 overall by the Brewers and Kay Doty, was picked by the Blue Jays, 78th overall out of LSU. So kind of some other um, draftees of note. And again, it's um, it's the MLB draft, and a lot of people just don't follow it at all. And I get it, but it will be um, interesting to see from a fan standpoint, media standpoint, you look at it and you say, all right, you, you need the Astros have two picks in the top, three picks in the top 80. You need to hit on two of them. Now, it'd be great if you hit on all three of them. And theoretically, you should be able to. And what I what I mean by hit, I don't mean that they make it to the major leagues, although that's that's a step. What I'm talking about is they become good, functional, at least um, if they're not going to be like all-star caliber players, at least be good, functional members of the team for an extended period of time. I think that's fair to say. If you do that at least, 
Uh, you you know you may not be like an all star, but you're a good productive player for year for have a little longevity. That um, to me that qualifies as a hit. So I'm hoping the Astros, hoping the pitcher is good, and at least one of these three of these two center fielders is good because boy the Astros, they they need they they got they've had they got center field issues, no question. And you can argue that the Astros have had center field issues for a long time. Really, you could argue that. So it's it's an issue that needs to be resolved, no question. All right, before we get to our next timeout, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin, this is Sean. Um, I'm going to the uh, Astros-Yankees doubleheader with uh, five Yankee fans. Uh-oh. So my question is, should I drive? Because if they lose, it's going to be hard. So I'm just wanting to get your advice. Should I drive so oh. I can control the radio volume and then the car so they can't brag? Yes. Plus, it's easier if you're driving to tune everybody out because you can always use, well, I'm focusing on the road, you know. So it's easier to tune everybody out if you drive. So my advice is, yes, drive. Plus, you could kind of scare them a little bit if they need that. I'm thinking yeah. too. And then they set me up. They bought the tickets, so we sitting in the Yankee side of the field. Oh. And I knew I should have got involved in that. But uh I wasn't thinking, man. So I'm well, looking forward to the to the doubleheader, but uh it's gonna be interesting going with five Yankee fans. So oh, I, I just want to give a shout out about that. I I'll look I want the Astros to win for the Astros' sake and my sake, but I'll add you I'll add your sake to that list. Uh, good luck with that, sir. Yes, sir. Have a Thank good. you. And hopefully, oh, man. See, like, if I was going with a Yankee fans, like, have a friend who's a Yankee fan. He's from New York, so I'll give him a break. Um, named Sean, who, you know, he, he, he never gets on my nerves. And Mr. Bobby, lifelong Yankee fan, never gets on my nerves. I, I wouldn't consider those necessarily bandwagon jumpers. Although, again, uh, you know. You know, New York's a fur piece from Lafayette or Abbeville. Let's put it that way. But I, I could I could ride with those kind of Yankee fans all day long. But uh, some of these Yankee fans, like Paul, oh man, I don't know. I could ride back with them if the Astros won. I don't know about going there before the game or coming back if the Astros lose. Oh man, that'd be in, that'd be some nightmare shawls there. So good luck to. Good luck to Sean. All right, let's take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. want to remind you, Astro Giveaway 3. Again, when it first started advertising Astro Giveaway 3, you know, it was nice because it was the Astros. But I'm sure a lot of you like the Mariners. You know, they're not like the Yankees or the Red Sox or some team like that. We did the White Sox earlier. They have a, a little bit, a lot, of, a lot more name recognition on that team. But now, since the Mariners have won 14 in a row and all my whole first half saying, watch out for the Mariners, watch out for the Mariners, hope that doesn't come back to bite me because 
I, I I've seen with my own eyes how good they they are and what their potential is. Um, so I don't know if I predicted 14 in a row, but I'm not surprised at all that they they've made a run. Um, but the Astros will be playing the Mariners on Saturday, July the 13th. If you can re- if you register for the game clubhouse, you will be eligible to win four tickets, hotel accommodations, and a tour Minute Maid Park. Astro Getaway 3 brought to you by Butcher Air Condition La Meridian Houston Downtown and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll be switching gears to football in the next segment. And I'm sure we'll be talking mostly football over the next three days because baseball right now is just hard for me, right? They're going into the All-Star break after a very um, just limp into the All-Star break. Three bad series in a row the Astros had and, you know, just playing at a low level, can't field, can't catch. Can't just field your position. Man, it's amazing. If you go back over the years, if pitchers that feel their position, what that will do to their overall ERA and their longevity, just field your position, cat. Field your position. Unbelievable. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. We'll shift gears to football. After this timeout on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and on 133 LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706 0111. If you would like to get in, talk Major League Baseball. It is the All-Star break, home run derby tonight. Certainly feel free to do that. If you have any thoughts about uh, the Major League day one of three days of the MLB draft. Last night was the first 80 picks, which was rounds one, two, and all the little compensatory picks. Rounds three through 10 will be tonight, and then 10 through 20 will be on tomorrow on Tuesday. So certainly any thoughts. And one more little note, Eric Brown, who we said was drafted 27th overall by the Brewers from Coastal Carolina, actually has Louisiana roots. He's from Shreveport or Bossier City, wherever, the Shreveport, Bossier City area. So, Kate, remember that from his, you know, playing against the Cajuns and – um Cajuns did a pretty good job against him pitching from what I remember when they visited earlier but got reminded about the Louisiana roots with with, with, with Eric Brown as well. And he even played Little League ball against Lafayette Little League, you know, as a youngster. 
playing for uh, out of Bossier. So just somebody has more Louisiana roots than just being from Coastal Carolina in the Sun Belt Conference. But we did. We will, as I said, be talking a lot more football. Last week, for several shows, I asked a question and never really got an answer. Um, and and I'm and I'm going to be listening very closely in coming weeks. And I asked the question: Those of you who think that Jameis Winston is one of the biggest question marks for the Saints going into this season. Please explain to me why. And, you know, there were several reasons for me asking that question. One, I think he's not one of my biggest question marks coming into the season. I get frustrated when people say that because I don't really know where they're coming from. I suspect slash highly suspect that the reasons why people feel that way are, one, they don't think he's a good leader because they got this idea in his mind that he was a punk as a college player, which he was, and, two, that he threw 30 interceptions three years ago while playing for a head coach in Bruce Arians and play caller who just throw the ball every play and didn't believe that running the ball is part of football. He he was trying to play seven-on-seven ball, which – I guess some quarterbacks could handle a little better than others, and obviously it didn't go well. Uh, he threw for 5,000 yards but threw way too many interceptions, way too many. Got to run the football, Cat. You can't throw on every down. This ain't seven-on-seven seven football. But anyway, I, I, I fear that those are the two reasons. Now, there might be other reasons that I'm not considering, and I would love to hear those. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is – over the weekend, it got publicized. Jameis kind of was down in Miami and hosted a bunch of Elish, I mean, Saints players, even former Saint quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, who lives in Miami, um, for like, I don't know, this little weekend. I don't know. It's not a mini camp, but, you know, they were practicing drills, structure. And... The point of me saying that is, for those of you who think that he's not a leader, it's just not accurate. You could argue that he's the leader of this team. Now, I would think Demario Davis. I would say the two biggest leaders on this team are Demario Davis and Cam Jordan. But that's the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, I would think Las Vegas slash Z28. Probably a literally, but he's a little, his personality is kind of unique. I don't know. Um, I would think he has a kind of a different leadership style. But but there's no question that Jameis is the leader. And I know he plays quarterback, and that's an obvious leader. But, but I'm telling you, he is a way better leader than all of his critics think that he is. Like, way better. So if if one of your reasons for doubting Jameis is that he's not a good leader or his leadership skills, I think you're way off base on that. That that is not a good that's not a good answer in my opinion. Now, again, there might be some reason why his style of play isn't gonna fit Pete Carmichael. 
That I'll listen to, and I have no idea what that answer is. You know, I made the comment last week that um, his biggest issue from a skill standpoint is he's got to get more accurate on short passes. Hopefully he does that. I'm, I'm sure he knows that. You know, it's I'm sure that's not a big secret to him. And I'm sure he's working on it and all this stuff that they're doing. And hopefully it works out. You know, when you have a Z28, you got to be able to utilize that. That is a concern. That's a legitimate answer. That him and 41 skill sets just don't match up. That is a legitimate answer. In my opinion, he's not a good leader and he's a punk. I I don't think he's a punk anymore. He was a punk. I think he grew out of it. I think... I'm not saying you have to forgive everything he's ever done, but that doesn't mean that he's now not a leader. So um, we'll see. He's not going to throw 30 interceptions. Like like I've said before, quarterbacks don't throw 30 interceptions. I, 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 I don't agree with Stalin on much. I do not like him, just like I don't like little Nick, tuck tail. But there are certain things that they say that I totally agree with. And one of them is a comment that Stalin made. Stalin's Bill Parcells, by the way. Uh, One of the things that Stalin said that I totally agree with is that quarterbacks don't throw 30 interceptions. Coaches do. That is just stupid. That's just bad play calling. That's bad scheming. That, you know, that's just over-the-top bad. So, We'll see how that. But I just wanted to point that out. That got a little publicity if you ever follow any of the Saints stuff. And I'm not saying that that means the guy's going to go win the MVP next year. I don't, you know, I don't even want him to win the MVP. I don't even want to think about that kind of silly stuff. I don't care if he makes the Pro Bowl. I just want him to be a good, functional, winning member of a football team. That's it. I'm not a QW. I don't think QWs have to come down – uh, quarterbacks have to come down from Mount Olympus and save the day. I think they're one member, an important member, but one member of a, of a football team. That's what they are. They're one member, a very important one, one member of a football team. That's, all, that's what they are to me. And they have to play their role just like everybody else. I know nobody believes that anymore in this country, but I still believe that. And I, I think he can play his role. I don't, I don't want him to throw for 4,800 yards or 5,000 yards. I didn't want Drew Brees to do that. Now, there were times where he had to do it um, because they had no offense, you know, in, in, in certain years. I mean, no defense in certain years. And their special teams were deplorable. Deplorable. Um. And, and and so, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. They don't have Gray McMahon as their special teams coordinator, thankfully. That's been years now since he's been going. And the special teams have gotten dramatically better. And the defense is potentially elite as long as everybody can get on the same page and stay healthy. So I don't need him to be great. Now, another point that, some have made, and it is accurate, it's legitimate, is how healthy is he going to be? Again, I don't know. How healthy are any of the Saints players going to be? 
I mean, we're coming off the most injured season in the history of the franchise. So who knows? But the fact that he's doing all this stuff coming off the knee injury, the only thing that concerns me about the knee injury really is that I don't think he's going to run as much as he did last year. He got quite a few first downs before he got hurt last year. And I'm wondering if they're going to say, uh, no more running, which I don't like no more running. I think if it's there, you got to take it. And I hope they don't go totally overboard with that. Uh, um, no more running. I hope they don't do that. Now, you don't have to get crazy and take hits, but if they're gonna, if the defense is gonna give you the first down, which I think should happen more this year that they actually have weapons on offense, assuming they're healthy. Um, if they're gonna give you the first down, take the first down. Uh, I, I just don't think I think you got to play wise, but I don't think you got to play totally scared. So that that is a concern. I'm worried that because of the injury, they're going to completely shut down his running. I don't really want that. Now he needs to learn how to slide. He doesn't look like he's kind of tall and lanky more than like Drew was. So I, I need him to be wise with that and they need to work on that. But I, I don't want him to just give up running totally. And hopefully they can reach some sort of happy medium there. But no, it's going to be interesting to follow how he does. But uh, again, I my concerns are he's way down on the list of my concerns. He's a he's a veteran who's kind of starting over. He can make all the throws on the field, which guys like Baker Mayfield can't do. And he's got he's a leader. He's he he's been there. He's messed up. He 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 doesn't he's not gonna have all of that silly immaturity that the Baker Mayfields of the world have. He's he's already done all that silliness. So you're getting a more mature, been there, done that, made the mistakes. I don't want to go down that road anymore approach at the quarterback position. So I I'm just I'm I got no questions about him other than the injury concerns, I think is a legitimate uh issue. What impact could that have? All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll be connecting with RP3 from Atlanta SEC Media Days, talking some SEC football next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time for us to head out to Atlanta for the event that just means more. Here is the game's SEC Media Days report, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Rope Soap and Dope. Welcome back to Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're on for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And we don't get to, we talk a lot off the air. We don't ever get to talk on the air, but we have with us Mr. Raymond, RP3, live from SEC Media Days in Atlanta. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, brother. Here I'm on the second floor of the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Media Days will be kicking off a little after lunchtime, around lunchtime with Commissioner Greg Sankey. And then after that, the LSU contingent will uh, take the stage. So we're just gearing up. It's a 
it's an interesting experience, man, being here in the actual college football hall of fame with all the memorabilia around and all that stuff. It's uh, it's been, it's been interesting to say the least. It's been kind of awesome to be perfectly frank with you. All right. So let's, let's start with the important thing. Have you eaten or seen a Chick-fil-A sandwich yet? <laughs> but here it is. I have not had a Chick-fil-A sandwich yet, but there is a Chick-fil-A connected to the ground floor of the College Football Hall of Fame. The likelihood of me sampling a Chick-fil-A sandwich later today and probably once a day while I'm here is roughly around 99.9%. That's a, that's a good move. Good 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 move on on your part. All right. So <laughs> um <clears throat> I, you know, you're not much for the silliness silly side of sports so i know nationally a lot of people are playing this up about you know coaches squabbles that have happened in the off season and all that i you know i i don't know that any of that's going to mean anything so what what's the kind of main thing you're hoping to get out of these two or three days here in atlanta well, look i've been to these a few times and it's similar to what happens at the Sun Belt, right as well as you go through the process and like every coach feels optimistic about their team. Every coach feels like they have a, they're going to have a breakthrough season, a breakout season. You know, you have quarterbacks that take the stage and say they think they're the best quarterback in the conference. And, you know, optimism is high at this time of the year. Mainly when you come to these, Kevin, as you know, is you're wanting to kind of sift through all that. And you're kind of wanting, you know, in the case, say for LSU, what is going to be the mentality of this team? What can we expect to see from this team? Has Brian Kelly figured out a way to fix the offensive line, which is the biggest issue for LSU? Everyone focuses on the quarterback. You and I have had this discussion off the air. Quarterback's not nearly as important as the offensive line. Okay, so those are the things that you have the opportunity here in this forum to ask and try to find out and try to figure out. You know, look, this team hasn't practiced for the fall yet. None of these teams have. Everyone is overly optimistic that their team can break through and have a great year, but you're wanting to find out some new personalities, some of the new coaches, um, you know, how do they respond to some questions? What are, are you going to have anyone slip up and be really honest, right? That's what you always kind of wait for is who's going to be honest. Who's going to say something like Ed O did a few years ago where he admitted that he didn't, you know, interview anyone before he, he hired them as a coach. So it's things like that that this is kind of made for, but it's also just kind of get you amped up. It reminds you, hey, summer is nearly over, and once this wraps up, once media days wrap up at the end of the month for all conferences, we're a month away from the start of the college football season. It starts Labor Day weekend, same weekend as high school football. So it's kind of a nice way of everyone getting together, and you get access to all the coaches. You get access to all the players. But yeah, it's it's a little bit of the the, the silly season that the, the talking back and forth. Of course, everyone is buzzed about will Jimbo and Nick Saban have anything nasty to say about one another, or has Greg Sankey taken them to the principal's office and said, uh, "No more, no more of that, no more of what y'all did for the off season. Uh, Let's just focus on the upcoming season." And then, of course, the other big topic of discussion already here on the first day is you know realignment, 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 realignment. When's it going to happen? Is the SEC going to stay pat? Are they going to expand? Early talk around here in Atlanta is they're going to stay pat, and you're going to hear that from the commissioner when he takes the podium today that he's going to say we're happy at where we're at. We're prepared to bring in Texas and Oklahoma, and we're not looking to expand. So 
you know, are they looking to expand? I feel like they may be, but, you know, Greg Sankey and the SEC aren't going to, you know, make any rash decisions either. They're not going to have a knee-jerk reaction to USC and UCLA being added to the Big Ten. Well, and something tells me the history is they're not going to be caught flat-footed either in the future. No, no, no. And you can fully, you know, some people told me off the air that, you know, there's already been conversations that have been had with particular schools, but because of the ACC's contract, in particular their television contract running through 2036, I do believe, you know, it may make things interesting. But once again, you know, if they're going to poach some teams, they're going to poach some teams that are going to be beneficial to them, like a Clemson, like a North Carolina, like a Florida State. You know, they're not going to settle. And those conversations have more than likely already been had behind the scenes, Kevin. All right. So one of the things that interests me each year going into any conference season is kind of looking at teams that there are certain teams like Alabama, you have a pretty good idea what to expect. And then there are teams like LSU. I mean, does it, can anybody possibly know what to expect? I mean, there's so much no. new. The coaches are new. There's so much of the lineup. Like, how many teams off the top of your head, uh, what teams strike you as? We have no idea. There's really no way to know what to expect from this team, that team, and that team, and which team besides Alabama, obviously, do we have a pretty good idea of what to expect? Well, I'll start with the latter question first. You, you know Alabama's going to be You know Georgia's going to be good. Now, will they have a championship hangover? Probably. Did they lose a ton to the draft? Yes. But, you know, Kirby's building that program the same way Saban built his program at Alabama. So you expect them, even in a down year, Georgia's probably still going to win the East, right? So they're still going to have an opportunity at the end, plus they have their quarterback coming back. So that's, you know, those are your two big boys. You know, the, the big uncertainty is one LSU. You know, I've talked to some media folks here this morning. Some think that this is going to be a team that's going to struggle to win six games. Others think they may win eight or nine games. So, well, you know, so no one knows because it's he, Brian Kelly's taking over a team that was decimated, right? They barely had enough players to even play in their bowl game, much less field a competitive team. So he's had to recruit. He's had to use the NCAA transfer portal a ton, more than really anybody else. So you don't know what you're going to expect. Has he fixed the offensive line? We don't know. What about the defense? Don't know, right? So tons of question marks for LSU. You know, another one is Florida. We had a conversation with some folks earlier at breakfast that asked us, you know, they're, they're curious about what Billy's going to do at Florida. And they like, we hear great things about what he's trying to build there, but are Florida fans going to be patient? This feels like it, it, it could be a transition year. You know, he, he inherits a good quarterback that's been banged up. He has potential, but he hasn't reached that potential. Can Billy unlock that potential in the Florida quarterback? And once again, you know, Billy's going to be trying to change culture. And we know how well he did that in Lafayette. It's a little bit bigger of a challenge, more daunting of a challenge to have to do that in Gainesville, right? So question marks about how competitive, how good is Florida going to be? Questions about how good LSU is going to be. Those are the two top teams right now, one in the West and one in the East, that are big question marks here at SEC Media Days. And another one that's kind of sneaky under the radar. Ole Miss had a breakthrough season. They're going to be on the podium today as well, Lane Kiffin and company. Can they build off of what many consider to be a breakthrough season last year? 
is Ole Miss ready to take that next step? A lot of people, a lot of buzz is, you know, they're being picked to maybe be the second or third best team in the SEC West behind Alabama and A&M. They could be even the second team. Some people believe that they could maybe be a team. Now they have to figure out their quarterback situation because Matt Corral was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. But what are they going to do? And there's also question marks about Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. He gets in a war of words with Saban over NIL and money and everything like that in the offseason. But they're paying him a ton of money, and they're investing a ton of money in that program. They expect him to win more than eight and nine games, right? Since Jimbo's been at College Station, Kevin, he hasn't even won his own division. So when is the clock going to start running on Jimbo and the expectations from the boosters and the fan base to be like, hey, you know what? You're building something. When are you finally going to have that breakthrough season where you're actually competing and winning a conference championship to get into the playoff? They nearly made the playoffs a couple years ago. Fell just short, got left out. They regressed a little bit last year, even though A&M beat Alabama and Jimbo became the first assistant to beat Saban. And, of course, Kirby was the second in the national championship game. So that's another big question mark. What about A&M? Are they finally going to break through? And they have all the hype. They have all the articles written about them. They have all the interviews about them. There's a lot of chatter, lots of talk. Hasn't been backed up on the field yet. Is this year that that happens? I mean, with Ole, you mentioned Ole Miss. There are three teams that I was going to get to. One of them was Ole Miss. And, and I, I know they lost their quarterback. But something tells me when you have an offensive coach like Lane Kiffin, replacing a quarterback in a system probably isn't going to be that big of a challenge. No, and you remember he was able to adjust quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Tua, while he was at Alabama winning national championships as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So remember that, two wildly different quarterbacks with different skill sets, okay? And we, we can have a discussion about either one of them being a viable option at the next level for the National Football League. That's not a discussion for today. But Lane was able to do both, right, Kevin? He was able to tailor his offenses to both of those guys with different skill sets and he pulled it off and they won a national title heck they did they 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 benched one and got another one into the game and won a national title so he knows how to do this he knows to make the adjustment i think you know he inherits matt corral he's able to win with him he's able to kind of turn things around but also lane has a big ego he's going to want to prove that he can win and that he can win big at Ole miss and if he can develop a guy to be the guy at quarterback to run his high-powered offense, if that's one I don't have a doubt about. Can they compete for a division championship this year with a new quarterback? Maybe. We've seen it before, right? We've seen that happen before. Um, but I have no worries whatsoever on Lane Kiffin being able to have a productive offense in Oxford this year. All right. The other two teams that intrigue me and that I would be probably listening the most to if I was actually there like you are in Atlanta are Arkansas and Kentucky. Two of the better coach teams, underrated coaches. You're talking about Sam Pittman and, and Mark Stoops uh, at Arkansas and Kentucky, respectively. Arkansas, both teams do really good fundamental things, right? They're fundamentally sound. You can tell they're well-coached. They work hard. They try hard. They get, give forth effort. It's Are they dynamic enough to win in the SEC? And neither one has proven that they can. Arkansas, Pittman is an O-line coach turned head coach, and he's been able to do a great turnaround there at Arkansas and Fayetteville. 
they, they fight hard. They really do. Are they dynamic enough past Felipe Franks now to be able to take that next step? Because Felipe is gone. And he was the former Florida quarterback turn Arkansas quarterback. Can they be dynamic enough on offense to keep up with all the other teams in the conference? Your Ole Miss, your Alabama, your Texas A&M. Uh, so that's the big question mark for Arkansas. You know they're fundamentally sound. You know they're going to be good. They're going to be a tough out. Can they take that next step and get more dynamic on offense? And ironically, the same question that needs to be asked about Kentucky. Mark Stoops is an excellent coach. Excellent. One of the best ones in the conference. He knows how to coach defense, obviously being a former defensive coordinator for his brother, Bob Stoops, at Oklahoma. The question is, and a comment was made this morning by someone who covers him. He says, yeah, Mark Stoops has led us to a, the, the greatest you know, four or five-year stretch in Kentucky football history, and he's done so without a quarterback, right? It's 2022. You have to have a quarterback. So if Arkansas and Kentucky want to go from – eight, nine, maybe 10 wins, having a good season, getting a good bowl game, but falling short of really truly competing for a division championship and a conference championship. They want to go from that to actually breaking through. Both programs are going to have to step it up on the offensive side of the football. Whether or not they can, that remains to be unseen. That remains to be seen, rather. So would you put, which one do you think is closer to getting to that goal that you were talking about, Kentucky or Arkansas? I feel Kentucky probably has the better chance because of the divisions. Look, Arkansas has to put up with Alabama, A&M, LSU. And we don't know what Auburn's going to look like. So the SEC West is brutal, right? In the East, Georgia's your defending national champ, okay. But Florida's in a rebuild mode first year, Billy Napier. You still got Missouri over there. Tennessee made some strides last year under Josh Hoppel in his first year. They are expected to maybe take a step this year, but I don't think they're that much better than Kentucky. So I think Kentucky probably has the better chance, Kevin, because they play in the East. Um, I, I, I think the rosters are similar, but Arkansas unfortunately plays in the SEC West and Alabama, LSU, and AM still reside there, as does Ole Miss. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. And we haven't even got to Mississippi State. In year three, Mike Leach's teams, in particular his quarterbacks and his offenses, usually skyrocket in production and how good they are. Well, I, well what are they going to do? I mean, they haven't been able to make any strides so far. So we haven't even talked about the type of numbers that Mississippi State can put up when their offense is humming, which we expect that offense to look better uh, for the folks in Stark Vegas. So I, I think it's a little bit harder for Arkansas because they play in the West. All right, one last question. Do we all – as far as do we know what we're about to expect, is is Brian Harson going to survive the year? Do we know what to expect of Auburn? Or could Auburn actually surprise some people in the middle of all this controversy? People that cover Auburn, and I talked to a couple of radio guys that cover Auburn earlier today, Kevin, they have no idea. They have no idea because they have no idea what the leadership of Auburn's athletic department and their school wants to do or how they want to do it. Yes, the offseason's been filled with controversy for Brian Harson and Auburn, but Auburn has been a mess. How they're structured, how they deal with coaches, how they fire coaches and then have to pay them a bazillion dollars just to get rid of them. They are not a well-oiled machine. And to win year in, year out in the SEC, you have to be a machine. You have to be a high-volume machine. Auburn's administration is not that. So when I ask around, and we may get a better feel for that, 
as the week progresses, once we hear from coach and hear from some other people from Auburn. But there right now, they're a huge question mark too because you have no idea. You have no idea because you have no idea what their administration, what their leadership in their athletic department or their university wants. They may decide to part ways with them after week three or they may decide to not. And the team may rally and win 10 games or they may crater. You never do know. It's completely unpredictable. It's a bit of a dumpster fire. I'm hearing, is it me or am I hearing more question marks and unknowns than normally going into the SEC? It feels that way because you have the changes, right? You have the changes and, and you have so many different coaches coming and going this year. There does seem to be a, a plenty of question marks. Plus, you know, uh, how, how much longer is Saban going to do this? How does Alabama bounce back from being embarrassed in the national title game to Georgia? How does Georgia handle with being finally king of the mountain, right? It's one thing to get to the top. It's another thing to stay there when everyone's coming for you. What about Billy Napier in Gainesville? Can he turn around? Can he legitimately change the culture there? What about Missouri and South Carolina? Are they finally going to break through? What about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss? Can they take the next step? What about Brian Kelly? This, for the first time in a long time, Kevin, you're exactly right. It seems like there's a lot of unanswered questions heading into media days and heading into the season, more so than not across the board for the entire conference. All right. Well, tomorrow we can review what's being said from uh, what LSU, Ole Miss, and Missouri today. In Missouri, we haven't even gotten to yet, but and we'll talk about them tomorrow. But they're a major question mark. A lot of people think uh, their coach could be on the hot seat as well. All right, sir, we appreciate it, and uh, hopefully you've had at least one, if not two, Chick-fil-A sandwiches by tomorrow morning. My friend, I will send you a picture when I devour that sandwich. Not to worry. I'll I'll loop you in. You'll be connected. All right. All right. Have fun. (laughs) See you, bud. That was the game's SEC Media Days report presented by Bordelon Furniture and Rope Soap and Dope. This is Brett Musburger's action update. The betting markets had the Yankees and Dodgers meeting in the World Series where the Yankees a favorite at plus 325 to win the world huh? title. Dodgers plus 375. The Astros are plus 450 to win the World Series. 2-1 to, to, right? to win the American League, the second choice behind the Yankees. On Sunday, the A's beat the Astros 4-3 as a $2.40 road underdog. The total closed at 8 at Minute Maid Park, and the under cashed at 7. The 59-32 Astros have a nine-game lead of the AL West over the Red Hot Mariners, who have won 14 straight. The Astros are minus 10,000 to win the West Division. Red Hot winning picks available, experts.winnersandwiners.com. Save 75% on any Best Bets package with a promo code ACTION75. That's Action 75, experts.winnersandwiners.com. For more, go to VSIN.com. Mike Sennett on the game. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 18, 1994. The Houston Astros tie the National League comeback record with a 15-12 victory over the St. Louis Cardinals. The Astros trailed 10 to nothing. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you, 
The Game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles would like to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do is join our brand new text club by simply texting GAME to 283-8100. Text GAME to 283-8100. You will have a chance to win a new Apple Watch as well as all kinds of other great prizes from the station, including Astro tickets. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Today, appreciate Raymond coming on. Looking forward to the next couple days of talking SEC uh, football from SEC Media Days in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame. They're du- they're, I, it seems like just kind of reviewing all the teams and where we think they all are going in, um, that there are more question marks than normal. Again, the difference between some of these programs and like a mid-major program going through or a lower-level Power 5 program going through these kind of transition seasons is so many of these teams are replacing this with, you know, not that I'm a star guy, but four- and five-star talented players. And so, on paper, talented players. But we all know, and that's why they talk. I hate that word culture, but it's actually accurate. You you know, you, you can have all the four- and five-star players you want. If you're not together and you don't have a good culture, which, again, it, it's that word grates my nerves a little bit, but it it's it's accurate. You don't have. You're not together. You don't have a good cohesive coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. Then it's going to be hard to win at that level. Now, when we, I mean, you can win. You can have winning seasons and qualify for bowl games because if you're a Power Five team, if you schedule pretty well, you know, you start out the season with four or five wins, sometimes six wins before you even play a game. Like you've already won these games. And so, depending on who you are, I'm not talking about the Vanderbilts of the world, but you can kind of that that you kind of you can schedule wins, but that doesn't mean you're going to win big enough to, depending on what program we're talking about, to to make your fan base happy. Like, I guess I have to apologize to any Mississippi State fans. I'm just, I just, Mike Leach is an interesting guy. I'm just. It's hard for me to take them seriously. It's hard for me to take that program seriously that they can take. I mean, they, they can get a little better, but are they going to get a lot better? I just I just don't see that happening. So I wouldn't include them in there. I think Kentucky is the one that if they had a really, really good season, it wouldn't shock me. You know, Tennessee has been – it's remarkable how bad Tennessee's been. Maybe Hypolo keep it going. I I, I don't know. It, it, it's just remarkable to me. Uh, South Carolina that it it doesn't seem to ever happen. Uh, Missouri, you know. I guess you could say they've done a little better than I thought they would, but it, it's not going to happen. I'm just surprised they haven't done a little better in, in men's basketball since they've joined the SEC. To to be honest with you, but no, there, there's going to be the natural storylines. But um, I think Auburn, Auburn's always an interesting program because it seems like they're either 
in the middle of controversy or they're having, you know, every once in a while they have a really, really good team. And then they always seem to have interesting games with Alabama and LSU. So um, Auburn's an interesting program to follow just because at times it's a train wreck and at times they're very, very good. And and and, and yet then you have the Tennessees. I, I think A&M, if A&M doesn't have a really big year this year, if you're an A&M fan, what do you think at the end of this season? Like, where's you got all these resources, and yet are you getting you know your bang for your buck? I think I think I think there's going to be some questions about that going into it. And has it any hit anyone if the expansion that we discuss, discussed with RP3 happens? five years from now, whenever, 10 years from now, whenever. I mean, they're not going to – I mean, how are you going to do – it's going to take a whole week to do SEC media days. You had all these teams. Big Ten media days. It's not going to be media days anymore. It's going to be media week. Like they, they, I mean, those are not conferences. Those are leagues. Like, you know, those are – It's it it it's gonna get crazy, I'm afraid. But for now, at least it's still somewhat of a manageable number. But I gotta tell you, and I I'll get I may get Raymond's opinion on this one of the next two days. I don't. Some people are really into this conference pride stuff. At the at you know in the, in college chat rooms and all, but I um and on social media I don't like. If Oklahoma or, or Texas or A&M or Missouri or South Carolina do something big, I, I just – I still don't consider them – I know they're in the SEC, but, like, I don't think someone from Alabama or Auburn or LSU – or Ole Miss can say, boy, the SEC is great. Look at what Texas A&M did. <laughs> just, I just, I'm still not there yet. And, and, and if once Texas and Oklahoma come in, I just don't think any self-respecting SEC fan, long time, say, oh, look how good our conference is. Did you see what Oklahoma did? What? I just. I don't know. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take a long time before, and I don't think that it's ever going to happen. I don't know that it's ever going to happen. Like, can you imagine three years from now, someone, some big fan, you know, they're doing one of these little conference, which conference is best, and, and, and some Michigan fan or Ohio State fan or some fan like that um, is going to say, boy, look at our conference. Look how good USC is. What? Ah. That's something you don't have to worry about it, though. I guess some people do that in professional sport, but I don't know. I just, I know technically all these teams are going to be in new conferences, but 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 I, I, I think at some point if they, if they keep expanding, the, the whole which conference is better pride arguments, those are going to go out the window. Like, what does it even mean? I don't even know what that's going to mean anymore. 
for someone like me, it's going to mean nothing. I mean, I don't, you know, it's going to go in one ear and out the other. It's not going to mean anything. Maybe that's good. Maybe that, again, we, um, I've come up with potentially one or two or three really good things out of this whole expansion, conference expansion era that we're going into or already in. Um, that even though overall I can't stand it, I, I think we're closer. I think we're closer to um, where someone, an independent person, entity is scheduling for college football, which needs to happen, in my opinion, been needing to happen for decades. And, and, and I think we might be all of this conference squabbling is about to go out the window because there, there's not really going to be any conferences anymore. You know, it's going to eventually, it's just, I don't know, it's going, heading in a really bad direction. But we'll get impressions about what is said for LSU, Ole Miss, and Missouri tomorrow. Look forward to Tuesday with Alabama, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt talking <clears throat> on Tuesday. All right, that'll do it. We'll take a timeout, finish out today's show. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid, stupid. Not to worry, we have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you if you would like, if you have not joined the game clubhouse yet, you need to do so. It's free, it's simple. So sign up today. You can win Astro tickets, uh, you can win $150 gift certificates to Mr. Lester Steakhouse or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to M- Mabel's Kitchen. Those are kind of the mainstays, but there's always other prizes that come along, so you can't win them if you don't join the game clubhouse. So do so today. I got to tell you, as this season goes on, I- I've I've fought it and fought it and fought it in terms of people asking me my opinion on the subject. And I'm at the point now where the home plate umpiring is so bad in the major leagues on a consistent basis that I just don't think there's going to be any fighting it off. This cat yesterday, I think his name was Malachi Moore. He wasn't cheating. Again, sometimes I worry like, man, one team is really getting cheated here. It wasn't that one team between the Astros and A's yesterday were getting cheated. But his ju- he was just so bad that... I mean, you know, he was so bad, I almost felt sorry for him. And it seemed like both teams kind of took it easy on him a little bit uh, and could have been a lot more aggravated than they actually were. But it, it's just, I mean, it, it the, ball, the quality of balls and strikes has gotten so bad, it seems like. Or, again, we just, there's so much more focus on it. Maybe that's 
I mean, I think it's probably always been bad. There's just way more focus on it now because it's just very difficult to do. And uh, I just, I'm kind of not, I've almost resigned myself to the fact that this, I think it's awful, but this mechanical strike zone thing is coming because they just, they just, they miss so many of them. It's just unbelievable how many they miss. All right. We will take a time. No, we'll, that'll do it for today's program. Again, more SEC media talk from RP3 tomorrow. You'll have a nice day.